Up From the Ashes, Episode 10, featuring Star Lost, Episode 9, Gallery of Fear. First aired on CTV November 16th, 1973, and featuring the usual trio, plus special guest star Angel Tompkins and Alan Stewart Coates, written by Alf Harris and George Gent, directed by Ed Richardson and maybe Joseph Scanlon, today's special guest host, Carrie Neitz. Hello and welcome back to Up From the Ashes, the podcast about bad sci-fi TV with big sci-fi ideas. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here with this week's guest host, Carrie Neitz. Yes, nice to be nice to meet you in person, I guess. Or not in person, but, uh, yeah. but at least face-to-face. Well, and, face-to-face, uh, yeah, yeah. Face-to-face, yeah. and uh, yeah, nice to be here. Thanks. Yeah. So Carrie is one of the people when I was first doing this, I mentioned something on a Facebook group that he actually dropped a comment on. And then I started thinking, wait a minute, this guy would be a great guy to get on this show because of just what the star lost is about. That's because uh, Carrie is a science fiction writer. He also uh, used to work in uh, the software industry, but uh, he wrote a book that really caused me to say, hey, there's some, if not direct correlations, some very close uh, thematic correlations to what the Star Lost is about and what he's written about. And so, yeah, Carrie, you want to tell us about, uh, especially about the book I'm talking about, sure. Amish Vampires from Space, yeah. and the series and, and some of the things sure. you've worked on. And at the end of the episode, we'll uh, also tell people where they can find you and we'll have, have links in the show notes. Yeah, Amish Vampires in Space and its sequels are probably... It's probably a series I'm most known for. Um, I got mentioned on the Tonight Show and, and Newsweek and various publications. Um, yeah, it's about how the Amish get to space and become vampires. And then there's a sequel, <laughs> Amish Zombies from Space, and then Amish Werewolves, Wolves of Space. So it's a okay. trilogy. And, uh, <laughs> yep, grew into that. And um, prior to that, uh, I wrote a trilogy kind of takes place in a future Islamic world. And it's kind of a cyberpunk series called the Dark Trench Trilogy. And um, and then have a couple of standalones. There's a standalone called Mask, and there's a standalone called Lost Bits. And then there's like a parallel trilogy to my first series. It's like a Dark Trench uh, Shadow series is what it's called. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm over a dozen books, I guess, now, novels. Um, also have a series that... The main characters are man-sized rats in space. So it's kind of fun, <laughs> too. So, yeah. I like the, you know, little unique spins on things and, and doing things that no one else has done. That's kind of my thing. So at, at some point, I'd like to have you on Strangers and Aliens so we can just specifically talk about, like, all your books. Yeah, and, and, that'd be good. Because uh, the story behind... Um, uh, Amish vampires in space, which you put in the book was yeah. super interesting just about how the idea yeah, was to presented be... to you. Yeah. And then how you kind of took the idea and said, I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. ring a real story out of this. <laughs> and yeah, yeah. so I, I'd like to do that, but this is not that place. Okay. This is the place where we're going to talk about not quite Amish, not quite Mennonite, yeah. but people who didn't have much technology right. who are now confronted with uh, a technological yeah. Yes. technological problem 
Yes. <laughs> Seemingly so, all have Amish clothes, though, so that's that's good. That's yeah. true. That's true. <laughs> Although they did change their outfits in this episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which was yes. okay. a little interesting. This is Typically, they wear the same clothes yes. every episode. Okay. Uh, there are a couple times when they do get some some changes of wardrobe, yes. but it's that, that kind of Amish, Star Wars-esque kind yes. of- mashup. Uh, <laughs> yeah, of clothes. Although this is this predates Star Wars, but- yeah. um, yeah. So one of the things I like to ask my guest host before we start jumping into the episode is just what was your awareness of the star loss before I invited you to be a part of this? Yeah. I, I never heard of it, which is kind of surprising because I'm, you know, I kind of grew up in that era and sci-fi was usually hard to find. So, you know, if I found it, I, you know, I was glued to it, but star loss, I had never heard of. So it's kind of a fun, fun thing to learn about, to be honest. Yeah. So. so to to be fair, it was only on 16 weeks in yeah. you know end of 1973, right. beginning of 1974. So it was very quick at that point. Yeah. And then they did pull out for reruns, but I don't know if they, well, they might've on, on some cable channels in the States, but um, I just happened to catch it on uh, Saturday afternoon reruns because Star Wars had come out. And sure. CTV was like, Hey, what do we have? that's like star Wars. We got this thing over here. Let's put that out right. there. Cause kids yeah. are loving Battlestar Galactica. We got our own show. Right. Let's, let's throw right. it out there. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's the only reason I became aware of it originally. Uh, although in finding out and learning about Harlan Ellison, this is a big part of some of his, well, he tells the story a lot of how, yeah. how they, they screwed they him over, it. how yeah. they, they yeah. ruined his show, yeah. you know, and all that stuff. So I probably would have come across it because of um, just doing some deep dives into you know, Harlan Ellison and other sci-fi writers. But um, I say probably, I don't know if I actually would have because we can't know what would have been. Those are all the what ifs. Right. Yeah. Right. right. So, uh, so you did watch your homework, which was this episode. That's the... Yes. That's the passing grade. Did you do yeah. extra credit? Did you watch any other episodes or just this one? I I did not. I, okay. I haven't watched any other episodes. I have heard some of your commentary on the other episodes, you know, just kind of see what the show is going to be like. But okay. um, yeah, I went into it blind. So, <laughs> blind. so this is where I, I'm kind of glad that, that it happened because you coming into it blind, was the opening narration enough to set the scene for you? for what was going on when all of a sudden you got people walking down a hallway and right. they get blown by the wind into a door. <laughs> like, right. but... Yeah. Yeah. So the narration definitely helped to set the setting. And then, yeah, like you said, immediately you're in this hallway and there's wind. Now, obviously just coming into it is like, okay, is the wind a normal thing? Is this like, <laughs> does this often take them places, you know? And, and so, and then they're in a gallery, you know, so like, okay, now they're in an art gallery. It's kind of, funky 70-ish art gallery <laughs> and what's going on you know so i mean obviously you figured out okay here are the main characters and and you know i know they're on a big old ship but yeah it was not a lot of setup <laughs> so <laughs> uh if you're new to the podcast you're just joining us for this episode on this podcast what we do is we take these episodes of this show that is potentially one of the worst sci-fi shows of all time and we both deconstruct and celebrate what they have done and also kind of take a look at uh, just the other sci-fi 
books, movies, comics, whatever it might be that this causes us to, to think about as far as like how they try to tackle the big sci-fi ideas. This is another episode where there is definitely an attempt to tackle some big sci-fi ideas. I, I, I find it a little bit interesting because this is, especially with the artificial intelligence conversation we're having right right now in our modern world, but they're looking at this in the early seventies where, you know, computers were, um, you know, reel to reel or using punch cards and they're just trying to, you know, get into like, how do we save data in a, in a more, um, uh, in a a more convenient way. And in a way that is, you know, that doesn't like fill up a whole room. Uh, and so it's interesting that they are jumping into this idea of, this well in this episode there's a, a character called magnus that right. wants to live <laughs> and yes, so yes. and wants to be more he, so yes, it's kind of that pinocchio story or yep, whatever yep, yeah yep. so we'll be uh as we talk about the episode um we p- might you know have some rabbit trails that, that take us into those directions already but then after, after we're done talking about the plot of this episode we'll, we'll jump into some of the things that it makes us think about as well yeah. so yeah, but I I was very curious because the opening of the show explains the ship is going to crash. The yes. opening of the show explains that three young people can save the right. star lost, uh, right. and then they're just walking down a hall. <laughs> right, right, yeah, 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 yeah. I assume these halls are common there. You know, yeah. yeah the first thing I wrote down is lots of wind and trippy art. You know, that that's that was, that was the opening. So. Did you get the sense then you probably understand this now after having at least seen the whole episode and listened to some of our stuff, but when you were first watching it, did you get the sense of how there's these different domes on this ship and that the hallways are basically connecting the different domes, but the different domes have different societies and different sci-fi issues going on. Yeah. You can kind of see that in the model, you know, you can see the halls that go between the domes and there's like, okay, that's, that's kind of what's going on here. And that's one of the things I think is kind of cool coolest about this idea, you know, this idea that you got this sort of self-contained environment that I get, I assume have lost connection with each other altogether. So they've been mm-hmm. allowed to develop on their own, you know, and you know, that, that's a cool idea. You could, you could go on forever with that. If, you know, with your <laughs> imagination, if, if you had the budget and yeah, the time, yeah. you know, so. Yeah, yeah. You could go on forever if you're not canceled after 16 episodes. Right. But. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. you, yeah, you could have a caveman society. You know, you could have a high tech society. You could have all sorts of fun things. So yeah, and and that was Harlan Ellison's intention. Was this is going to be yeah. the greatest show ever? Because we, it's it's Star Trek Planet of the Week, but right. there's also this overarching story of we have to rescue the Ark. We have to save everyone, right. and we have to work through people who don't understand and don't care. We have to work through people who do understand and don't care. We have to work through people who might be able to help. And and that's right. a big part of this episode is Magnus is supposed to be the greatest mind of all time yes, in the galaxy. No. They and said that numerous times. Yes, yes. they do. <laughs> he doesn't seem to be. We'll get to it. But <laughs> yeah, he makes some yeah. mistakes. Some yes, maybe the greatest mind shouldn't make. But yeah. Um. But just that idea of this this could help us with our overarching, arching problems. So right. All right. Well, let's jump into the episode. I'm going to, I've got an outline okay. that I've written out here. Jump in yeah. anytime, stop me at any sure. point, And we'll, sure. uh, if there's specifics that you want to stop on, but okay. um, basically we'll kind of go act by act with the commercial breaks uh, being my breaks for, for talking about things, unless 
something comes to mind as we're going along. So our trio is making their way between domes where they are caught in a windstorm that pushes them down a hall. Yes. <laughs> uh, herding them to a door, which leads to an art gallery. Yeah. It's it's seventies modern art. It's oh, brightly man. colored swirls of light. It's glass and metal flowers. It's yeah. geometric shapes and it's a retro futuristic look at what art will be if you yes. were in nineteen seventy three on a limited budget. Yeah. And yeah. and the art at this point, the art also seems to have hypnotic powers and it affects the trio. Yes. And as they're looking yes. at the the artwork, they find that they also the art affects them and they affect the art, but Devin is not, he's not affected by it. Rachel and Garth are a woman appears wearing a silver bathing suit with mesh over shirt. Uh, She gives them a lot of exposition. And as she does mention the exposition, which I'll, I'll quote, I I wrote it all down because I wanted to get it right. Uh, But as she's talking about things, she mentions someone or something called Magnus. And then she leads them to three rooms they have three rooms, yes. one for each of the travelers, just ready to go for them. Then yes. she disappears, and it's, I guess, ominous enough for us to go to a commercial break. So. Right, right. Yes, uh-huh. I, I thought of her. Daph, Daphne is her name, right? Yeah, She's yeah. The '70s era Cortana. I don't know if you're familiar with the game Halo, but you know, there's a an AI <laughs> avatar that kind of scantily clad, and uh, okay, all right. And, uh, it was like, okay, this is what we got here. So. <laughs> Yeah, and, it, and I, I actually I looked up that actress because I was you know wondering if she did anything else, and she actually did quite a bit. Like she, she has she quite a, a career. Yeah, 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 like a thirty year career, and and just episodes and all the you know cross the spectrum of of TV greatness. You know, Knight Rider, The Fall Guy, to you name it. You know, so it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Well, and she also has a credit for two thousand twenty four. Oh, okay. There's a, a, really? so, a movie. It's in pre-production right now. Um, okay. wow. I doubt it's wow. anything I'm ever going to watch. Yeah. Doesn't sound yeah, that interesting to me. Yeah. But yeah, she's uh, yeah. she hasn't worked since 2001. And before that, it was 1992, according to IMDb. Yeah, yeah but, I was looking at that too. Yeah, it's yeah, a, like Three's Company, Bonanza, Ironside. Kojak. Kojak. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Love oh, American Style. <laughs> yeah, Amazing Stories. You know, just yeah, Night Gallery. Yeah. yeah. You name it. So. Uh, her second credit, this was exciting for me. She went from General Hospital in 1963 to 1968. The Wild Wild West was her second. Yeah, one. okay. I yeah. love that show. Do you ever watch that show? I have not. I've not seen the old version, but I, I, I remember you mentioning that you like that show. So yeah, that's kind of cool. Yeah, kinda yeah. Cool that's a- it's a sci-fi western. And so yeah. you basically have, well, James Bond western. It's right, it's uh, right. there's a lot of techno gadgets that they have that are kind of steampunky before steampunk. Right. Yeah. And okay. Yeah. It's, I, I love the show. So yeah, yeah, some of the actors they get here aren't, don't have quite the career that she did. And we'll, we'll actually talk yeah. about a couple of the other people here too, but okay. Um, cool. Yeah. So here's what she says when she talks about the art gallery, she says the hall is on a total scan by a psychogenic reader. Yes. The psycho-emotional yes. vibrations of the artist are translated by the reader into light energy and coalesce into mass, which will remain constant until a new psycho-emotional vibration cancels it. Should no yeah. one go there again, your sculpture will remain that way for eternity. And that's after Rachel is just transfixed by these kind of metal uh, 
discs on the ends of metallic stems. And as she's staring at it, all of a sudden it just goes and becomes huge. huge. And, (laughs) and, and if no one else looks at it, it will never change forever. Yeah. I had to actually had to look up psychogenetic or whatever, because I'd never heard that term like that before. So yeah, it's interesting. You know, it's basically physical, mental stuff producing physical, you know, symptoms like as in, in a disease, there would be disease, which were mental stressors cause physical symptoms. So in this case, you know, their mental thoughts creating reality. So very cool. Yeah. Very sci-fi. Well, and, and very techno babble. Like this is, yes, very you know, much. early Star Trek didn't do the techno babble quite, quite, it's quite as much as like next generation. This feels like it could be a next generation techno babble moment. Yeah. Oh, it's just oh, so it much. gets better. It gets better later when Magnus comes <laughs> on the scene. I, I didn't even quotes. try that. I did not try oh, to write that down. Quotes for you. Oh man. <laughs> There's just so many words where it's just like, what does this even mean? Say, is this a yeah, sentence? Yeah. Is this English? Are you speaking? It, it, yes. Old Magnus. We hardly but, knew you. Yeah. <laughs> Here's yeah. something else okay. that Daphne says that is actually really profound though. She says yeah. two things about beauty. One, not so profound. It just yeah. sounds like it could be beauty doesn't exist in fear. And so they're in this gallery and there's beauty here. And so nothing to fear, I guess. But then she says, beauty is as insubstantial as bubbles in the wind. Some things just disappear. Yes. That's actually like a really profound statement that there's layers. It's a little reminiscent of Blade Runner. You know, the the android speech at the end of Blade Runner. I don't know if you're... (laughs) Yeah. Remember that, you know, like, like dust in the wind or like tears, tears in the rain, in the wind. Yeah, tears yeah, in the rain. Yeah. Yeah. Rain, yeah. So like, yeah. Interesting Time to die. Right. Yep. Yep. You've got it. You've got yep. it. Uh, okay. So we're in the gallery. We're, we're now in these three rooms and this is where things get even a little bit more odd, I guess, because yes. the rooms kind of give them what they need I I get the impression and maybe I'm reading into things a little bit that this is supposed to be like one of those sci-fi moments where it's like, this is, this is your perfect little place. This is your happy place. Okay. Um, But I might be reading into it or I might be um, borrowing from other things and other (laughs) better things that, and and kind of speaking into this, but they get their room, they get new clothes, nice matching brownish orange future suits. Very very, very sci-fi. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And Devin is unhappy. He's curious. He's suspicious. He goes and finds a computer terminal, which is a uh, that is a is common it, thing in throughout the ship. Is the sphere these, uh, projector? Yeah, the sphere projector it. that's with the computer. Yeah. No, the the, uh, the interface computer. Yeah, uh, CIC. And he speaks to the computer, who always opens up with, "Can I be of assistance?" Right. <laughs> Whenever he asks about Magnus, the computer refuses to answer, kind it of reboots, reboots almost. Yeah, and, yep. and it's just kind of yep. uh, Magnus, uh, uh, can I be of assistance? This is, yep. Yep. And then finally it reveals that only the ARC commander has the codes to talk about Magnus. Yes, Meanwhile, Rachel right. is getting dressed. She sees her mother in the mirror, has a little conversation with her mother, who is a recurring actor. That is the same actor from episode one that played okay. her mother on episode one. Then the three of them join Daphne for dinner. And she reveals that Magnus is the greatest mind on the arc, the greatest mind possibly in the galaxy, but he's busy yes. right now. 
So Devin brings up the problem, which she does this in almost every episode where he tells the arc is in danger. We don't know exactly what's happening. We don't know the timeline, but we need help. We need, and if Magnus is the greatest mind, he can help us. So he presses in on her with questions, makes demands that she tell him about Magnus and makes demands that she tell Magnus about them. And then he quest- starts questioning some other things. Like why did the winds bring us to this dome? Yeah. And what's going on with the art that changes before our eyes? And then what's going on with this intoxicating food, which as he's talking about the intoxicating food, He's eating the intoxicating food. Like he's suspicious, but he's still eating it. Still hungry. And still drinking the wine. Right. And then Garth sees his father. His father shows up in the room and we have a commercial break because again, it's ominous enough, which (laughs) this is something when I write comic books, one of the things that I say when I'm teaching people how to write comic books is at the end of every page, you want a mini cliffhanger. Uh, so people want to turn the page, you know, and it's, it's like, you know, commercial break is not supposed to be a mini cliffhanger, but it is supposed to get you enough to say, I'm going to watch through the commercials because I want to see what happens next. And this story doesn't have enough, I guess, tension and drama to really give too much of a cliffhanger. (laughs) No, it does not. Oh, it's my dad. Just like her mom showed up. Um, but yeah, the mini cliffhanger, it can be a physical thing. It can be an action thing. It can be an emotional thing. It can be a dialogue thing. Someone asks a question and you turn the page to find out what the answer is. But that's something that I've always taught when I'm, when I'm teaching about writing comic books. So uh, the commercial breaks here, I don't feel like we get too much of a, a cliffhanger. <laughs> no, no, not at all. And one of the things that, that I wondered about at this point, and again, being a newcomer is why Devin seems to have the resistance to, you know, kind of spacing out and, and the other two see the other two don't, you know, the other two often go into trances, you know, and, and he doesn't. So. And he doesn't fact, see, he doesn't see the same kind of hallucinations. Like none of, no, no one from right. his family shows up. That's um, right. Right. And I, so there's two answers we can give. One is the answer that maybe they should have delved into a little bit, yeah. which is he doesn't have the same connections that they had back to home. Okay. And so, um, he doesn't have, they, he was the one who rebelled to come and, and to, to find out more about the ship. And, okay. and then he brings Rachel with him because they were in love. And then Garth co- goes after them because Garth used to be Devin's friend, but then um, Devin caused problems and dishonored Garth's family because Garth was supposed to marry Rachel, even though they weren't in love, it was an arranged marriage. Okay. And so okay. Devin is the one who pulled them away from their their culture from their world and then they realize okay. the problem is big enough that we're going to stick with him and every once in a while garth does give some lip service to wanting to go back but okay so that's the that's the thing that i they could have gotten into a little bit but i feel like it's just his will is strong enough like that's the answer they're going with yeah. it's just he's, he's the hero yeah. of this episode he, so we're just right. gonna trust that right yeah he, he he asks questions so that that's enough you know yeah. I guess. Yeah. Well, and and maybe it is because that's the whole answer here is questioning the reality. So, right. Right. um, Right. So some other notes about this act that I wrote down, one was that the computer control room remind me a little bit of a scaled back and less technologically advanced version of the, um, of mother uh, control room from alien where you come in, sit down at the terminal, but you have all the lights around you. Yeah. Um, that from the first, I actually, I actually liked this set the best of any of, you know, I know they didn't have a lot of sets to work with here, but right. 
But I thought this was kind of the coolest of them all. So, yeah. Well, and it definitely has that retro futuristic yes. vibe. Have you been watching Loki at all on Disney? Uh, I saw the first. Yeah, I saw the first series, but but not okay. the second. So, yeah. second yeah. series really dives into and embraces that retro futurism with the rounded okay. chairs, you know, the yeah. the spherical chairs and the the TV monitors and everything. This is the seventies looking into the future, and Loki right. is the the future looking back at the 70s in some ways yeah, okay. and i okay. i love the vibe i yeah. one of the jokes on my podcast about the marvel movies and, and tv shows is if i if i was single and didn't have children i would i would design my house around that i would have that furniture i would try and yeah. get those retro <laughs> yeah round circle you know, spheres sure. that have the cutout and stuff i just love the the style and it just it's just a cool cool thing and here but here it is them looking into the future yeah. and yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the yeah, other, they, wrote, they, res- oh. they resisted the urge to have like real, real tapes. You know, they, they didn't mm-hmm. go there. They, you know, they did have lots of flashing lights. You know, that that's pretty yeah. common for, this is a computer, you know, yeah. but, but it was cool. Yeah. It was cool. And, and the other thing that some of the computer stuff that we're going to get into later reminded me of is a little bit of Hal from 2001, where yeah. you've got like mm-hmm. the, these kind of plastic pieces that you, move around you know and um yeah and we'll talk about how i'm sure more later but um okay yeah the only other note i had here was that even as he questions about the food he's he's just gonna keep on eating it because it's good (laughs) it's good and also uh garth's dad is from episode one they they did bring back his his uh his father the actor yes father right okay So Garth speaks to his father and his father has a story that seems to make sense. I was tending my fields and now I'm here. And Devin tries to tell the others it's not real. They won't accept it. And uh, when it finally looks like Devin is going to uh, win out here, Garth's father tells Devin to beware. And they start asking questions like, why won't you just accept it and enjoy it? And he says, well, we're trapped in a world of fantasies. And uh, Garth actually says, that doesn't bother me. I'm staying here. Uh, or it might have been Rachel, but they're they're yeah. like Rachel, they're both think, like yeah. we we accept this. This is yeah. nice. Yeah. And they aren't joking. They're they're planning to stay. They go back to the gallery and stare at the artwork. Yeah. But get artwork and get in a trance again. <laughs> it just in gets trance. in their head. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and mm. and Daphne, she also warns him, go along with things, because if you don't, it will be unpleasant. Which yes. you gotta love the polite uh the 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 polite menace of a statement like that. Right. Um, But Devin is taking this to the next level. He gives Garth a good old fashioned smack out of it. Yep. (laughs) Yep. of violence. Yeah. Yeah. And it works. It works. And it works. And, and, And Garth, he's like, did you have to hit me so hard? And it's, yeah, it's a nice little moment. Like, okay, I accept it. I accept it. At first I said, I want to kill you, but I accept it, but you didn't have to be so hard. Um, Fortunately, he doesn't go quite to that level with, with Rachel. He tries to use words and then shakes her, but doesn't, doesn't smack her. They do bring Rachel out of it. Daphne warns them, do not underestimate Magnus. We underestimated you, but we, you will not, you should not underestimate Magnus. And they are assaulted by a, a, a fan and a smoke machine off camera. Yes, the wind, the wind again. Yeah, <laughs> that blows the their hair yeah, gently yeah, in the breeze. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Devin does notice 
Daphne's not affected by the wind. And he tells his friend, just don't believe in it. It's not real. She's not affected by it. And we go to a commercial break as they are assaulted by this smoky wind. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Always the wind. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> the the thing that I thought at first was okay, you got this wind. That is that because that's the only thing that the room is set up to actually physically, um, hmm. uh, the, the you know they, they have fans or or whatever or vents or whatever that actually can be yes. physically affected by Magnus. But no, it, it's not even that is imaginary. The wind is imaginary, and then it makes me second guess. Well, was the wind at the beginning? Or, you know, how did, how did Magnus affect that in the hallway? Because clearly they were pushed here. Yeah. Right. right. But we don't really get back into that. Rather strongly. Yeah. So they were gripping walls and yeah, the whole thing. (laughs) And I mean, I, (laughs) I can remember playing as a third and fourth grader where you you play against the storm and you're pantomiming against the wind. And that's totally, totally what they're doing is pantomiming against the wind and, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and that was one thing I noted is that I give the actors credit because they did play it straight, even you know, and remain serious even when there were times where it might have been hard not to laugh, you know, like it, yeah. it, I, I so I give them credit, like they they tried to sell it as best they could. So, <laughs> yeah, and so th- this is a, there's another statement that Daphne gives that might go to your question about about Devin. She says something yeah. like. You're so obsessional that you can't allow other people to have their desires. And it's okay. it could be his obsession huh. that that's okay. not allowing him to be affected so much. Um yeah. Okay. So maybe. Yeah. That's all we're maybe. getting. So yeah. <laughs> So the next act, it works. Telling his friends, just don't believe it. It works. Yep. He convinces them yep. to stop believing in the wind. And he points out once more, Daphne's not affected by it. And this is when Magnus reveals himself to them, voice yeah. only. And yes. he notes that Devin has an unusual personality. So there's another you know, little bit of lip service to why it may yes. not have worked. Magnus then reveals um, who he is a little bit. Uh, and yes. I, they start to understand who that, Magnus is. I wrote that speech down. Like, okay. I, had to, I had to write one of these speeches down. My reading, your emotional state, awed by impressiveness, technological advancement, cautionary message, your previous ignorant computer capability, evidence, your previous ratio sedative (laughs) power, tempers, value, judgment based on emotional reaction, full weight applied to natural perspicuity of judgment, ultimate judgment, your power reserved. Now, (laughs) I have questions, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> why why does Daphne talk in this very conversational, you know, very human like, but when Magnus is, you know, when he's talking, it's this, you know, no punctuation, kind of run on sentence. Yeah, yeah. It's, I don't not it's a spewing of yeah, it's a spewing of just uh phrases and ideas. Ideas, and, yeah. Uh yeah. and not linked together by syntax. It's just this weird, yeah. Uh, and I guess in some ways I could, if you squint, it's, it's computer speak, I guess, you know, yes. oh, absolutely. It's computer speak, but I, I don't know because <laughs> it's not just Daphne. It's also the parents, uh, Garth's dad and Rachel's mom. Oh, right. And they right. both take on a character, you know, that they, right. that is pre- presented and projected by the computer here. But 
right? Man, I don't know, man. This <laughs> I, I get what he's saying. He's saying stuff about how like you don't understand computers, and so I but I think I can still use you and uh you're unusual, Devin, but it just this word salad here is just it, wild. It's an absolute word salad. It it's is not the only wild. one. But yeah. <laughs> Pers- perspicuity of judgment. Yeah, I'm glad you took the time to, to write that hard, one down. It's hard to even say, you know. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, and, and yeah. Daphne had some mouthfuls too that she was getting through, but at least this right. guy, he could read it. Like the guy who's right. playing Magnus, he could just read the dialogue <laughs> in a true. soundstage. Yeah. But Daphne had to memorize her stuff, so. Oh, man. But oh. now they understand he's a powerful computer, but he's yes. just a machine. And so Devin tries to Captain Kirk the machine and tries to, you know, right. speak, you know, speechify a, a win here. Um, but it's not just a machine. It has been improving itself, for but it has limits. Yeah. Yeah. It has limits. So for hundreds of years, it's been trying to get past these limits that can only be overcome with human help. He was originally built to assist the commanders with the ship originally. Yes. And now he has our trio of heroes help to go beyond his programming. And if he if they help him, he will recreate the Ark commanders, just like he recreated the parents. Yes. And they will be able to help with the ship. Yep. And there's a, a fun moment here where Magnus gets into a verbal argument with a uh, central information computer yes. and there it's, it's a very polite argument just of statements of fact that I'm not going to do that. I need you to do this. Allow them to do this. I can't do that. I won't do that. Right. And then right. it's done. And so yeah. central information yeah. computer just da- and Daphne or not Daphne, but, uh, Who's the female? Rachel. The female? Rachel makes the observation they're arguing. Yeah. You know, like that. So, in case yeah. you missed it. In case you missed it. Because yeah. it's so it's so polite and and so yeah. uh, unemotional, but yeah, and so yeah. Rachel. Uh, yeah. Devin realizes at this point that Magnus should not be helped, and he's already started some of what Magnus need, or, or has he done that yet? No, he hasn't done that yet. Um, so they decide they're going to leave, but they are once again assaulted by illusions, lights, yes. and yep. an invisible box yes. that is crushing wall, them. Yep. And Devin, once again, speechifies them into unbelief. But as he tries to get, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> as he tries to get his companions to leave, he uh, suddenly becomes a, <laughs> a weirdly dressed, I, weedy yes. monster thing in Garth's I, eyes. I wrote... Devin gets oatmeal in his face and a plastic <laughs> gill- ghillie suit. Because <laughs> that's what it looks like. Plastic ghillie suit. But it's a sh- it's like a, a ghillie suit made out of shiny cellophane. Plastic, yes. It, it, instead, of, it, instead of like natural looking, you know, cloth or whatever. Cloth, right, yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's turned into a monster and Garth is like, get away. Get away yeah. from him. Yep. Um, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and it is... So yeah. I did. I did check this out, though. Um, it is not Kierdulia playing this part. It is. Um, where's a guy? Where's his name? Oh, okay. Uh, the, Danny okay. Hodgkins plays the okay. monster, and okay. this is literally his only credit on IMDb is to, huh. to play the monster. I am very curious. I wonder if he's actually Kierdulia's uh, stand-in 
and they were like, okay, so we have oh, your stand in here. He yeah, looks enough he, like he you. Did, there was some resemblance there. Yeah, sure. yeah. The, the hair and the mustache for sure. The 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 oatmeal fied face. Um, <laughs> yeah. Not not as much. But, not so much. Yeah. yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just, uh, yeah, it's it's just goofy enough that you know they're trying to be creepy. It, it's, but it it looks no. like something from a middle school haunted house in the gym. <laughs> you know, it, it just yeah. We, we looked up some instructions on how to do uh, monster makeup online, and um, <laughs> yeah, it's sad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, oh, one other thing is that um, when the uh, the central information computer comes online, it says Magnus's name is well known to all arc computer banks. Yes, and that's right. So we every once in a while right. we're getting some hints about what's actually yeah. going on with with Magnus. We're going to find out exactly what's going on momentarily, but Yes. Yeah. Um so Devin and Garth fight. Yes. And and Devin wins. Uh and then Magnus once again says, "I will bring to life a program of the first officer which is an admiral." Like right. <laughs> how did, Right. So the first officer is an admiral. Okay. I uh, yeah. <laughs> I find it interesting. I, I'm curious what the command rank structure was with yeah, uh, was, the ship yeah. early on when they launched. You think but, he'd be in charge. Yeah. I, I yeah. assumed he was in charge. Yeah. But I guess if you have multiple admirals, you know, maybe. Yeah. Okay. It just It just seems a little bit odd, but um, there's another face off between Magnus and, and Devin. And uh, it, this remind this is where I'm thinking about Hal because uh, you know, Cardelia is Dave from, from right. 2001 and so right. i again i'm wondering are they doing an intentional reference to make us remember yeah. he's dave from yeah. 2001 it, it, none of the it's not super direct but they do some framing of him that makes me think is this the the low rent tv version of trying to do like yeah. a kubrick style yeah. of, of, yeah. of framing with him but Possibly. um yeah. so magnus relents and brings the admiral back uh and the admiral, uh, it's only act, can only act on information that's officially confirmed from before he died. He doesn't right. actually realize that he is a, a construct at first, um, right. and at first does not believe Devin. But then once he does realize this, the admiral tells them that Magnus is insane, and you need yeah. to stop him. Stop yeah. And we created Whoops. him, but he <laughs> went beyond, and this is a problem. You should not be helping yeah. him. Yep. The Admiral was created by Magnus. Right. Yeah. That's to, a big whoops right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Greatest mind in the galaxy. Yeah. yeah. Might want to cut uh, before that. Maybe. Yeah. 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 Uh, but, but Daphne, you know, Daphne's it's, it's all, it's all smoke and mirrors. It's all deception. And so calling Magnus the greatest mind in the galaxy, he actually is close to it, but he's yeah. also insane. And yeah. yeah. So hand in hand genius and insanity. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's exactly. that again. So, so the admiral is taken away and they, they need to complete the deletion of the prime directive that he has against him, uh, or not. That's what there's. So there's a little bit of some low rent TV philosophical conversation about, do we do the deletion of the prime directive or do we not do the deletion of the prime directive? Magnus just wants to be free. He tells him, you want to rob me of the opportunity to fulfill myself. Right. And 
they end up saying, yeah, yeah, we're going to stop this. And then Daphne makes a plea, don't destroy the greatest mind in the universe. Rachel actually says, if we destroy this computer, that'd be murder. And we can't kill the greatest mind that there is. But Devin makes the call. Magnus is a magnificent, brilliant machine, but we can't trust him. Right. We can't work with him. We can't control him. We've come this far without Magnus. We can go all the way. Yeah, I actually actually wrote down that speech, too, because I thought it was probably the most prescient thing that was Mm -hmm. said in here. A brilliant, terrible machine with more power than any man has ever had. What would happen if he got his way? He'd manipulate people, get them to think his way, and he'd be in charge of everything, which, you know, really... Place today is worry about AI in, in some ways, right? I've seen or, three or four Facebook yeah. posts yesterday about that, like using yeah. also the same words there. Yeah. Right, right. So, and so they pulled out the data control rods or whatever these things are yeah, out of the they cabinet. Take them apart. And yep. they dismantle him completely. The gallery disappears. Their cool outfits disappear. They're back in their Amish outfits. And they leave the dome that they're in. And they're confronted by another computer. And this right. computer basically says, you're on my list now. Right. <laughs> you're on That's my list. That- yeah. That's the best twist right here. They're yeah. creepy. The other computers are mad and they're watching. You, know? you are registered in our memory banks yeah. for killing the greatest of the computers. You are registered in our memory banks. And we end on that. Yeah. Like yeah, that's there's, great. there's not a, like a joke cut to credits or anything like that. It is this kind of somber off kilter. Dark yeah. Ender ending. Yeah. That's might yeah. be the best part of this episode. Like that, that ending, I was like, wasn't seeing it coming and, <laughs> yeah, that was that was good. I want to see where they go with that. Of course, I I I doubt they got a chance to to play that out. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they had gotten a couple more seasons, we probably would have gotten to see yeah. another yeah. S- different kind of insane computer. But yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> huh. So All right. so there we are. That's there the it end. is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my notes about this act. At one point, Daphne's like, "Don't pay any attention to that." Don't pay attention to what he just said. Whenever someone says, don't pay attention to that, you should probably pay attention to it. That's, yeah. that's the, yeah. Um, yeah. And then, um, very, very much a trope. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then Kierdulia facing off with computer remind me of 2001, but it also reminds me of captain Kirk, you know, yeah. captain Kirk doing his, his, you know, captain Kirking a, a, a computer into the illogic yeah. of the situation to be destroyed. I'm glad they didn't go that far though. I'm glad no. that it wasn't the internal logic problem. It was actually them saying, no, we're just going to destroy him. And they reach in and pull out the parts. Parts, yep. Pull the plug. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so real quick about some of the cast and crew that we haven't talked about yet. Um, Angel yeah. Topkins, we talked about, who had, had a career. Um, William Clune. William Clune played the Admiral. And okay. this is his only credited role wow as an actor uh he had one other uncredited role as a character in a in a 1970 movie but yeah and i actually felt like he brought something to, I, to I, the part. i did too yeah i i was i'm surprised to hear you say that because i kind of figured him for someone who had been acting for a while you know that might have been in something else i just hadn't seen so interesting that's yeah. the only thing he's done Hmm. Yeah. Uh, James Barron was Garth's father. Eileen Seaton was Rachel's mother. We didn't really talk about them much in the first episode, but they both were working actor and actress and they both had okay. uh, a, a pretty, pretty solid career of things, you know, every couple of years that, that they would get a role. Um, 
talk about Jan- Danny Hodgkins, the monster. This is all that he yes. had. Uh, <laughs> looking at the writers, Alfred Harris or Alf Harris, as he is uh, called on um, on IMDb, he actually had a, a little bit of a career as well in in television uh, into the, from the sixties into the eighties. Um, he actually wrote for wild, wild West, not the same episode. I think that, right. um, that she was on. Uh, but he wrote for Bonanza dragnet, 1967, Adam 12, bionic woman, Barnaby Jones, Jason, the star command, uh, Huckleberry Finn and his friends. Uh, he did seven episodes of that, uh, mm. a show called danger Bay, which I believe was a, a Canadian, um, drama that we talked about a couple episodes ago. So he had a, a Hollywood career, kind of came back to Canada and and then did um, some writing in Canada. The co-writer on this, we have talked about him before. He's done two episodes of The Star Lost. Um, and we talked about him on the episode that Mike Poteet was on, where he, this is his only writing credit. It's this. It's only this. But he had a pretty long career as an actor. Okay. And, and uh, so we talked about that, though, a few episodes ago. Okay. Uh, the other person I wanted to mention was the director of this episode. And there's two things with the director. One is IMDb lists Ed, uh, Ed Richardson as the director, but also lists Joseph Scanlon, who I also talked about with, with Mike Petit. But Joseph Scanlon went on and had a long, 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 long career, including Star Trek The Next Generation and some other shows like that. Uh, but he is not officially listed anywhere else that I can find other than, than IMDb. So I don't know what the story is behind that. I don't know if they brought him in uncredited to fix some things and to, hmm. or I, I don't know. Yeah. Ed Richardson has a, a career as a producer, but as a director, he only directed this. He directed The Star Lost, and that was it. As a producer, though, he was the producer on the first season of The Littlest Hobo. And so (laughs) Carrie, I don't know if you know what the littlest hobo is. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a Canadian show from 1979 to 1981. Uh, although, um, there is someone else who caused me to realize there actually was another, like, I guess that was the rebooted version was in the late seventies, but there was a, a sixties version as well. Uh, but this guy, directed or produced rather the first season. Uh, it's basically a traveling do-gooder show like the incredible Hulk or okay. quantum leap or sure. fugitive only it's, it's a German shepherd who is uh-huh. just walking the land uh-huh. and, okay, you know, finds himself huh. rolling into town, helping a family or helping a kid and rolling out of town. I don't remember okay. any details about the show. I just remember watching the show when I was a little kid because <laughs> it was on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and also, I've found that almost every episode of The Star Lost has some connection to The Littlest Hobo. And this time, it's really Ed That's Richardson. interesting. That's it's interesting. Ed Richardson this time. So, huh. yeah. So, let's yeah. talk about the big ideas here. And yeah. some other things that this might have caused you to think about from mm-hmm. other sci-fi. Because there's a couple big ones. Sure. But I don't want to I don't want to jump into the big ones in case you already... I don't want to steal thunder from you if you already yeah. are, are thinking oh, about some of these big ones. It's still in my thunder. I, I know one movie that I thought of when I was watching this is was the Forbin Project. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but it, you know, it was this supercomputer that was kind of threatening to take over the world. You know, it was originally a defense computer, and then um, yeah, there was it was this was a movie I watched when I was in college. Okay, you know, in in a computers and society class, and and yeah. It was okay. a very well-known nice. 
you know, yeah, you might want to look that one up, for the Forbin Project. But it, again, it was that fear that the computers are going to take over the world. And, and uh, yeah, and it, and, and it did seem like this was a pretty common theme back then. Like, I even remember like an episode of The Bionic Woman where she was fighting mm -hmm. a a computer that was going to take over, take it over the world. You know, she had to kind of get in there and shut it down before, before that happened. So yeah. In interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. What, what, now what were you going to, well, so the, the, the big one that I thought about is specter of the gun from Star Trek. Okay. Where that's the episode where it's the Western world yes. and nothing is real. And the way that they yeah. defeat the, I think they're Malcon Malconians or something like that, but the way they defeat the aliens uh, that are creating this world out of their thoughts is by getting a mind meld to believe it's not real. And so then they're supposed okay. to go down to the showdown at the OK Corral and the showdown begins, bullets start flying and it doesn't harm them at all because they don't believe they that it's it, real. Right. And right. it's not a computer doing it. It's aliens with right. mind control it's powers, but simulation. Yeah. 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 That was one thing I wondered about is like, how does all the illusion really help Magnus toward his goal? You know, like how how does the, the how is this illusion of this gallery and the parents and you know how does that really help him toward his goal? And I can't really find it now. I mean, if you're going to use illusion, wouldn't it have been best just to to make them think they were doing something else and having them actually reprogram you? You know, like they're they're playing a game and they don't realize they're actually reprogramming you to give you the the sentience that you want, you know, or the power that you want. I I don't know. This yeah, is where we're one. helping the plot along. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. Um, right. Because for me, I, I do feel like it was because they're traveling the ship. The, the food isn't bad as they're going around, yeah. but um, they have this luxurious dinner laid out for them. Yeah. Bountiful right. dinner. And they get to see their family. And I, I yeah. feel like the intention of the episode was that kind of lotus eater kind of a thing. Where okay. this is going to cause you I'll to lure them into to, trusting me. I you're guess. going to trust me. Right. You you have everything you could possibly want, and it's right. all very very good. And Garth and Rachel get taken into it, and there we like this art gallery. We, this is nice, and the food it's good. Uh, we're yeah. happy to stay here. And Devin is yeah. the one who's just force of will right. <laughs> is strong enough. Right. Um, not buying it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and and that, so actually I wrote down Lotus Eaters is one of the things that made me think about, but okay. I don't feel like the show presents it well. If that's the intention, no. they right. don't present it well. And, right. Yeah. Kind of rabbit uh, trailed. Yeah. yeah. So I, another one that this made me think of, and I actually went back to rewatch it this morning just because I love this show. And it's another one that gets mentioned a lot here on the, the up from the ashes, but that's Red Dwarf. Yeah. And Red Dwarf had an episode called Legion where they find themselves on a space station and uh, everything they could possibly want is given to them. They, they are given rooms. And, okay. and in these rooms, like Lister finds a guitar in the room and he strums it and it sounds awful, but he doesn't know any better because that's uh, he's like, it sounds perfect. I don't even have to tune it. And that's one of the running <laughs> gags of Red Dwarf is that he's not a great musician, uh, but thinks right. he is. And um and there's actually been a couple different things where the Red Dwarf crew has gotten caught in um, alternate realities or, or um, not alternate realities, but virtual realities. And, okay. uh, and but this is one where the computer is trying to trick them to stay there by making this uh, a beautiful place for them to be everything they could possibly want, because the computer 
is shaped by people. And so whoever is okay. there, he takes on the their um their their character traits and their knowledge. And that's why he's called Legion hmm. is because okay. he takes on multiple parts of their personalities and if they leave, he will just exist as programming and he doesn't exist anymore. And so he, he wants okay. them to stay so he can exist. And okay. um so and so I was like I'm going to rewatch this one to make sure like there's a connection and there, there's enough of a connection. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to bring it up, but yeah. 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 Hmm. But Magnus doesn't get much of a new personality. No, <laughs> no, no. He tries for He's, it. He tries, he for tries, it, but, but um, still Mr. Run on yeah. sentence. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I also <clears> thought <throat> about Harlan Ellison's uh, short story. I have no mouth, but I'm a scream. I'm a scream. Yeah. Which is about, uh, multiple AIs actually around the world that take over war for their countries and then mm. connect with each other. So China, Russia, United States, I can't remember. I think there's two other ones that, yeah. uh, and they take over the world, destroy the world and they have five people. It's, it's awful. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a nihilistic story. It's brilliant mm. and it's super well-written. Um, yeah. it's, it's Harlan Ellison at, at his best and, but Harlan Ellison at his best makes you feel really bad. Uh, okay. And, and okay. it's all about how this computer, this super mind computer is just torturing these five people by making them immortal and by shaping the reality around them. And they're trying to push back against it. They're trying to rebel against it. And the guy who's probably closest to your Devin uh, tries to rebel against it. He ends up, uh, I don't want to spoil everything, but he ends up being the title character. <laughs> and okay. um, it's just, mm. it's, it's super nihilistic. Uh, I, when I did finally get around to reading it, I was like, this was so good. And I'm never going to read this again. Again, right. It's, it's just, disturbing. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's super disturbing. Yeah. And, and that was an element of the Forbin project too, is that the Russians also had a, you know, this massive supercomputer and they started talking like the American version and the Russian one. It's like, okay, what's really going on here? And, you know, are they going to merge into one big computer that takes takes control? So, yeah, interesting. Yeah. Common common element. Yeah. And there's lots of AIs that are trying to take over the world. Um, Age of Ultron was another one was like, right, oh, yeah, there's, there's yeah. that. Um, Battlestar Galactica, you have the, the Cylons gaining yeah, right. sentience and, and that. But then you also have Data. You know, who he's a computer who wants to be more, but he's a nice guy. We like him. Right. Right. We, we don't like Magnus, but Data, if Data wants yeah. to become more. We're going to help him along with that. We're going to yeah. yeah. teach him and, and bring him along with that Pinocchio idea that you brought up earlier. Right. Right. So, All right. Um, yeah. So a couple other things were just stories where aliens or computers cause people to, yeah, it's the Lotus Eater kind of a thing where you want to stay here because it's good and it's paradise. Ray Bradbury had a story called Here There Be Tigers, which is a planet that seems to be uh, a paradise, but um, one of them gets killed by it, and by a tiger. So that's the title. <laughs> and then they find out it's it's not actually a paradise and they leave, but then it actually turns out it is a paradise. <laughs> the The awful stuff was the illusion and right. the, the guy who stayed is is going to get live in, in paradise, and that's kind of fun. Um, and then you have WandaVision, which is another one where you have someone 
warping reality to be a paradise. Only this time it's her herself who's doing it for herself and other people are just trapped in it. And they're doing a, the pilot of Star Trek too, right? The cage or yeah. whatever. That was yes. illusion, right? Yep. So. Yeah. What's interesting about that is the pilot of Star Trek, and then they took it and turned it in that two-part menagerie episode. Right. I've always found it interesting that it kind of, the the meaning behind both of them is the opposite. So the cage is all about Pike is like, this is not real. I'm not accepting this. And actually it's very similar <laughs> in some yeah. ways mm-hmm. and ends up escaping and getting away. But yeah. then if you take that as Canon, which it is presented as Canon, um, because you, you have the menagerie where they're flashing back to that. that right. And the whole idea is we're going to take him back there so back he can there. live in the <laughs> fantasy. Right. And cause he's been in this horrible accident where it can't be healed by uh, you know, the future technology even. Yeah. And yeah, he's going to accept yeah. the fantasy and, and live in the fantasy and love the fantasy. And yeah. Remind me of a space 1999 episode too. I want to say it's a bringers of wonder or something like that called something like that, but where this, you know, space 1999, obviously they're, they're trapped on the moon and it's traveling through space. And this, this ship of people they know show up, you know, and everyone is, is enamored with that. And it's like, oh, how are things on Earth? And and but but uh, Commander Koenig and I think maybe one other character know that can see through it, and they know that these aren't actually the people they know. These are hideous aliens that are controlling their <laughs> controlling their mind, you know. And so, yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to get out out of that. So, yeah, definitely a common a common trope. Yeah, in sci-fi. Yeah. So. All right. Hmm. Well, I think that that's our episode then. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is, I, I do like how this is 1973 looking forward at artificial intelligence. They're obviously yes. not calling it that by then. Um, we've got a little way to, ways to go, but just the dangers of um, putting all of your eggs in one basket in that AI basket. And because yeah. if it goes wrong, it's going to go horribly wrong if you're letting it control every aspect of life for yeah. you. And yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a interesting concept that they were talking. I mean, Forbin project, that's the fifties, right? That was a black and white movie. Yeah. I, think I don't know how long ago it was, but I, and I haven't seen it. So I only yeah. know that it's black and white, um, not having seen it, but I mean, they were talking about this, thinking about this way, way, way long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Um, and any kind of technology, I guess, a technological advance is going to bring, um, suspicion, and is yes. this going to be the end of life as we know it? And right. and yeah. some actually could be the end of life as we know it. Yeah. Atomic power, it's great, but could have brought the end of life as we know it because yeah. of what the applications for war, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the, the, and that's the AI with I have no mouth and I must scream where it, it fought the wars for us and then it decided to destroy us and because yeah. we gave it so much power. So, yeah. All right, yeah, Carrie, cool. anything else yeah. from from your notes or anything that we need to touch on before I we shut I, this down? I, I think we got I think we got it all went through it all. So all right. pretty good. Perfect. Yeah. So where can people find you online? Where can people find your materials? I'm sure I mean actually I know Amazon because that's where I bought your book. But yeah, um yeah. yeah tell us where where yeah. we can find you online. Uh well my website is uh www.neats.com. That's N-I-E-T-Z.com. And find out about my books and any other kind of news that's going on there. Um, and yeah, my books are available on Amazon for sure. And um, 
and, the, and some some brick and mortar bookstores around the country as well. And I'm on Facebook. I have a page on Facebook and on MeWe, and I'm on Twitter too, Twitter X, I guess, and uh, <laughs> and Instagram too. I'm on Instagram as well a little bit. So yeah, kind of all over there. If you look for Amish vampires in space, you'll find me. You know, so. And I'll have links to all those in the show notes. Um, And one thing I do want to point out about Amish Vampires in Space, and that is that it is not a parody. It is not a a joke book. Um, I think the title may have started as a joke, but you definitely said, I'm going to do this right. And and, and one of the reasons why it took me so long to get to it and to read it is I had a friend who was like, I don't know about this, man, because... I know Amish people, you know, and this feels really yeah. disrespectful. And, yeah. and then I, when, um, I started getting involved in that Facebook group and saw you around there, I was like, I'm going to look into this. And, yeah. um, I see that, oh, you know, he's, he's playing it straight. He's yeah. doing well by, by the Amish. Um, you know, if you're asking why are Amish people in spaceships? Well, it's because they can ride in a van. Like right, they, right, they can ride right. in a van. It's, yeah. it's just that they have chosen not to use right. that. Right. Um, they drive tractors if they need to, you know, like there's, right. there's, uh, they use phones to communicate yeah. with people, you know, if it's yeah. for their job, they aren't, don't have them in their homes, but right. you know, they, just go, they can use computers in their stores. Yep. Yep. Right. Yep. And so it's, it's, um, yeah. But anyway, you kind of bring up those ideas, uh, in, in the book itself where it's like, you know, they're not judging you because you're driving a spaceship. They're like, right, right, they've right. chosen not to, it's best for their community. That's right. But yeah. And so, yeah. so the books are not um, disrespectful and the books are not parody and making yeah. fun of, of the Amish. It is yeah. legitimately a, a book about um, different cultures surviving Colliding. in space together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, yeah. Want to make sure I made that clarification in case anyone yeah, listening is not familiar with it, um, it has any thoughts about that. But yeah. yeah, all that said, Carrie, thank you so much for for joining me here on on the podcast. If you want to find the podcast uh, online, we do have our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash up from the ashes podcast. We have our website up from the ashes podcast.com. And if you want to support the podcast, you can support us by going to buymeacoffee.com slash up from the ashes. And this week, the bonus episode that will be on buymeacoffee.com slash up from the ashes is Star Trek, the animated series episode, the Terratin incident, which was released 50 years ago tomorrow. If you're listening to these as they come out. So um, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, Carrie, again, for joining me. And I really hope to be able to have you on strangers and aliens. uh, My other podcast, just uh, as a chance to really dive into your books and dive into your writing and that kind of thing. But thank you for joining me here to dive into the star lost. You're welcome. Thanks for inviting me. Everyone else, uh, wherever your travels take you, as you are walking down those dusty, windy hallways of life, I want to wish you Godspeed.